0: Listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Revealed by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green.
1: Hey everyone and welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. I'm excited to be chatting to you today because you and I are going on a foodie tour of New York City. Let's get rolling. You, me, four days in New York and lots and lots of interesting things to eat. Oh my goodness. So a couple of months back, I had the good fortune to be in New York City for a long weekend for four days with my sister, my older sister. We went on a bit of a girly weekend intending to go to the Billy Joel concert, which we did do. But we also decided to go and check out some of the kind of foodie hotspots of New York, places that I'd either been and wanted to share with her or places that she'd heard about or whatever. And we just decided to kind of go and do and eat crazy stuff that we normally would not go and do and eat. Now, I should say that I, being a former chef, am a super foodie and will travel to the end of the earth to get like you know, some cheese that's like made out of fairy wings or whatever. Okay, wait, maybe not that because I feel like fairy wings should not be destroyed for cheese. And I don't want to eat them. There's like a weird cannibalism thing there going on. But anyway, I will travel to great lengths to eat specific things. And my sister is not like that at all. So it was particularly funny to be with somebody who I was like, Oh my god, this stuff is amazing. And she's like, yeah, it's a donut. So we had a really interesting experience. And one of the things I noticed about my time there, and one of the things I noticed actually a lot is customer service experiences. So here in Australia, customer service is, uh, well, it just doesn't follow the same, you know, kind of American model of being very positive and kind of, you know, Australians in in general, and obviously this is a gross generalization, but they tend to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more, you know, they're just kind of not that awesome. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're nice to you and everything, but they won't get step out of your way. Whereas I find Americans will get out of your way. And I just wanted to give you kind of an example of that in the real world. So some years ago, I was here in Australia and I was I was eating some, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but it was like a like a mix-in sauce kind of thing, like a curry sauce, like a, a meal-based kind of thing. And I really liked it, but it was really, really hard to find. And so I called, like I looked at the jar one day and, you know, there's like, a, you know, any questions, call this number. So I called the number and I was like, hi, look, I really like your curry sauce. I'm just trying to find out like where I can find it because I really love it. And it's just never in my local supermarket. Where can I find it? And the woman was like, oh, uh, well, I think we've got a list of suppliers on our website, you know, thanks so much. And I kind of like pushed it a little bit. I was like, you know, I really like this stuff. And she's like, yeah, that's wonderful. So yep, the website, will tell you what you need to know. And she kind of ended the conversation and that's it. And I kind of laughed to myself because I thought if this was in the United States and I'd called the company and said, I love your product, oh my God, gosh, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah, they probably would have sent me to a website to find out more information or they would have just told me over the phone but they probably also would have like sent me a bunch of coupons and like a big box of samples or whatever of other flavors, gotten my name and number. I mean, this woman just like did nothing with the information. She was like, great, thanks. That's awesome. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there for small business, which is that, you know what? You have to have a great customer experience. And that includes when they tell you something great. If somebody gives you great feedback, use that feedback, use it as a testimonial, ask them to write you a review on Yelp, whatever it is, we should be harnessing the power of... good customer feedback, because that's something that doesn't get kind of shattered from the rooftops as much as bad customer feedback does, right? We've all seen those rants on Facebook business pages, right? But wouldn't it be nice if we kind of turned the tide of that and captured good customer experience? So I tend to, because of what I do for a living now, I tend to really, really notice customer experience a lot. And so I'll tell you a little bit about that as we go through all the places that I went to with my sister. And New York is a great city to have foodie craziness in because a lot of food trends start there and it's not that big a place. So you can kind of get around from point A to point B. So let's start our foodie tour of New York City at Magnolia Cupcakes. Now my sister and I did not go to the main one. We went to the one, I think that's on Avenue of the Americas or whatever. And I was, oh my God, so excited to go to Magnolia. I was like, yes, it is cupcake mecca, And I was super excited to go there there. I was massively disappointed. So we walked in the door of this tiny shop and there was no greeting. Nobody said like, hi, how are you? I was confused by the fact that the first thing I saw was not cupcakes. It was just a normal pastry case with banana pudding and like a whole bunch of other stuff in there. And I was kind of like looking around, like, where are the cupcakes? And then this woman kind of shouts, you know, cupcakes and cookies over here, cupcakes and cookies. over here!" I'm like, oh, okay. And I go and look and it's in this like tiny little cabinet on the far end. And to be honest, she wasn't terribly polite. I was asking questions about this flavor and that flavor and whatever. And she just looked bored and irritated. But I was going to press on because I had told my sister all about these are the cupcakes from Six in the City, you know, whatever. So I bought a vanilla cupcake and I bought a chocolate cupcake and I like stood in line and I paid and look, you know, they get something so beautifully right. There's beautiful branding on everything. Everything has their sticker. It, it all looks gorgeous, you know, all this kind of stuff. But what I noticed is that I was the only person in that line holding cupcakes. Literally, I think there was probably six or eight people in line and all of them were holding not cupcakes at all, but that banana pudding. And I've since kind of looked around the internet a bit and discovered that they've now become more famous for their banana pudding than anything else. I mean, maybe that was true all along. I don't really know. But it's a great example of a company that went, yep, this is the thing we're popular for, but that's not the only thing we sell. And they've kind of pivoted what their big thing is. I mean, the cupcakes... Honestly, we're kind of like down the back. It was not a big thing at all. And yet that's what I went there for. Interestingly, too, when I got the receipt on the receipt, it said something like, I can't remember now, but it's like, did you enjoy these cupcakes? Please, you know, leave us feedback or whatever. And I noticed this everywhere I went in America, that every single receipt I got invited me to leave them feedback, invited me to interact with them more. It had their website address on it, it, had other things. Everywhere I went, the receipts were an extension of marketing because people read them. People look at them, right? Anyway, I will say that we got out the door and I was really excited excited to eat these. And, you know, I kind of thought they were okay, but not the best cupcakes of my life. I'd say they were kind of average. My sister took one bite and said, why does this thing taste like plastic? Yeah, probably not (laughs) the best cupcake reaction you want to get. And I kind of said to her, I'm so sorry that like the first thing I dragged you to is like plastic tasting cupcakes, but we will, I I will improve the situation. And I did. So the very next day we happened to be walking through Greenwich Village. And again, we just got kind of lost. So we would like perpetual just like jump into places and we ended up at a place called molly's cupcakes now molly's cupcakes again this new york city location is not their major one they're actually i believe they're from chicago originally but anyway we walked in the door we were greeted really warmly the place was busy but they still stopped and looked up and greeted us the cupcakes themselves Absolutely tasted unbelievable. Hands down, the single best cupcakes I have ever eaten in my life, and as you might imagine, I've eaten a lot of them. they were they looked good they were everyone with them was filled, they were themed, they were adorable to look at and honestly, these days it's rare that I would eat a whole cupcake, but I actually ate like a whole one and then like, okay, where can I get more? And in fact, they were so good that the next day we actually went back and bought more to take with us in hand luggage to bring back to LA with us. So they were unbelievable. But the whole experience at Molly's was very different to what it had been in, in Magnolia. In Magnolia, it was like, here's your stuff, get in the line. At Molly's, it was like, hey, how you girls doing? Oh, can I explain what's there? You know, the, the labels on the cupcakes were beautifully handwritten and it was very personal. It was a completely different experience. And so I was very surprised later to find out that they've got like four or five locations because this location didn't, feel like an outlier or an outpost. It felt like, in fact, until I went and looked, I thought that this was their one and only location and this was their main store and it wasn't. So that was really a refreshing experience for me and I loved it. And again, on their receipt, it had information about how to, it said, I think it said, be careful with our cupcakes, they're delicate or something like that. And it had a call to action. Again, that receipt invited us to leave feedback, find out more information about them, whatever. So Molly's Cupcakes, big gold star. For dinner one night, we went to a place called John's Pizza of Times Square. Now the reason, we went there is not because I'd heard of it. And the fact is, I don't even like pizza. But we went there because a number of my friends had said, you have to go there. Like, it's iconic. You can't not can't be in New York and not eat pizza. And this is the best pizza. So I was like, okay, so we get there straight up, we are greeted, we are shown to our table, they introduce themselves They introduce this guy will be your server. It was again, a really personal, beautiful experience. Now, the place is huge. Like, I think it's known as like, biggest pizzeria in America or whatever, like literally physically, it's ginormous. It's in this old church. And you know what? The food was fantastic. It was quick. The menu had a beautiful story about how the company had, had come to pass and how, why it existed and who was behind it and all that kind of stuff. And really interestingly, there was again... Information on the receipt, but the, here's what it was: it didn't say like "come visit us" or whatever. It actually had a coupon for another New York City thing called, I think it was called the Experience, like a, it's like a bus tour or something. And it said like "follow this link to go visit the Experience, mention this receipt or whatever, and get ten dollars off." And so I looked at the receipt and I said to my sister like oh, what's this thing called the experience? She's like, I don't know, let's look it up. And sitting in the restaurant before we left, we're like looking up the website of this experience place. And then we were like massively disappointed when they were completely sold out and we couldn't get on a tour. This is a tour that five minutes ago, we never even heard of, right? And here we were going, oh damn, we don't get to do this. This would have been so cool. So that was a great example of cross promotion. Now, I don't know what involvement the John's Pizza people have with the experience people, maybe the same people own it, I don't really know. But it was such a good example of cross promo because look, yes, I'm sure lots of locals eat at John's as well. But you would bet there's a heck of a lot of tourists in there too. And who go on bus tours? Well, tourists go on bus tours. So that was like big tick for me. John's Pizza, love it. And not every experience in New York City was amazing. Some were very average. Look, overall, I was so happy to be there. I feel like everything was just like infused with glitter and rainbows. But there was a couple of experiences that left me kind of feeling a little flat. And one of those was we went to Doe, D-O. Now, for those of you who are not Instagram foodies like me, dough is a company that sells raw cookie dough, but they serve it like ice cream. So like you walk up and it kind of looks like an ice cream store and they are like scooping it out of tubs and they serve it in like cups, you know, with fudge and whatever on top, or they scoop it into a into an ice cream cone. And so it looks like ice cream, but it's actually raw cookie dough and it comes in a number of flavors and whatever oh my lord that experience was crazy so we went there because my at the time 12 year old niece was like you guys have to go to dough you have to go to dough so we're like okay and so we drag ourselves down there and as we approach the shop there's like a guy standing outside and there's a little bit of a line of people inside but not too bad so we approach the door and the guy's like no sorry you can't go in and we're like what do what <laughs> and he's like you need to get in the line and we're like okay but this is the line and he goes no that line and he points behind him and across the street is a line stretching oh my gosh from here to eternity that line stretched literally here to eternity that was madness I've never seen anything like it so the next people that walked out of the store I kind of accosted them as I do and I was like hey did you guys wait in that big long line for this cookie dough and the guy's like yeah and I said how long did you wait and he said oh well when when we got on the line, it actually wasn't that long. It was shorter than that. And we waited 19 minutes. I think I looked at this guy like, you have fallen from the moon, dude. Who is waiting 90 minutes for cookie dough? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. That's insane. And so by the time, I mean, guessing, right, by the time we were there, that line was over two hours long. I'm like, who has two hours in their lives to spend waiting for cookie dough? And it turns out that the kind of rude guy at the front door is sort of like a bouncer and he hands you a number and then you go stand in the line and you have a number. And so they put you in by number so that people don't like, I don't know, fight in the line or something. The whole thing was like really bizarre to me. Now, we didn't wait in the line because I love my niece, but I don't love her two hours worth of cookie dough time wasted. But it was interesting to talk to all the people in line who were largely there because they'd heard of it, they'd seen it on Instagram, whatever. The thing I found most amazing about dough is actually they have not created anything new. They've taken an old product and they've just reimagined it. They kind of mashed up two products really, you know, scooping ice cream into a cone is not new. Eating cookie dough raw is also not new, but obviously eating cookie dough raw and scooping it into an ice cream cone is new. And I've really learned a lot about you don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel every time you come up with something. Sometimes it's just about looking at what exists around you and reimagining it into a new product or a new delivery method or whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of examples out there in the world, actually, when people took one thing and went, Oh, what if we did it this way taking from another industry? And I think there's a lesson in that, you know, in cake in particular, I think we tend to be trend followers a lot, not necessarily. There's a couple of key people who are like trend creators, but most of us tend to be trend followers. And I wonder if we can't just I don't know, start thinking in different ways about how we deliver our product and, you know, what other food products are out there that we can kind of use and associate with our products to turn them into something brand new again or something reimagined. So that was definitely food for thought. I definitely walked away from there going like, hmm, I wonder how I can apply this concept and have people waiting for two hours to get something that, frankly, they could make themselves. So, you know, yay for the dough people. I thought that was pretty amazing. We also had dinner one night at Guy Fieri's American Grill, uh, and it was the worst experience We had hands down in New York, I think. To be honest, it was really, really bad. The service was absolutely terrible. The wait staff were really rude. The place was pumping, like it was busy, but not that busy, and they were just really impolite. The food, honestly, was really pretty average. Like it was okay, but I wouldn't be racing to go there again. And the part I actually was most disappointed in is that the toilets were to say they were disgusting would be the understatement of the century. Now, I'm one of these people who is not shy, so I went to the toilet and I was a Hold at what I Like, you know, when you have to go past like four stalls to find one that's clean, it was like that, right? Anyway, I went up to the front desk and I very quietly and like, very kind of like on the sly, I said, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you, but I'm just letting you know that the ladies' toilets need a little bit of attention. And the woman was like, oh, fine. And like really grumpy about it. And I said to her, no, I think they kind of need attention. Like now they're, it's like, it's kind of bad. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, all irritated about this. And I'm just like, okay, your food is pretty average. The service was awful. And now you're not even believing me on the toilet front. So I kind of couldn't get out of there fast enough. But I wanted to give you an example of communication or a breakdown of communication, actually, at Guy Fieri's place, which is that we happened to walk in there during um, happy hour. And there was a little menu, like on in one of those plastic stand things on the table, and it said, I "Can't remember the money now, to be honest." But it was like it was like wings, nachos, and I don't know, whatever, mozzarella sticks, or whatever it was. You know, eight dollars during happy hour. And I wasn't that hungry, so I'm like, "Oh, I guess I'll try like one of his wings." Right. So the guy hands us the normal menu, and I notice there's like I think three different kinds of chicken wings on there, and I'm like, "Oh, there's like spicy one, and a, I don't know barbecue one, and a whatever one." So notice that the the menu about the about the happy happy hour just said wings, right? So anyway, so the guy comes up and I'm like, hi, I'm going to go to happy hour special. And I'd really like the whatever bourbon wings or whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's not included. And I'm like, what's not included? And he's like, you can't get those wings in the happy hour special. And I said, well, which wings can I get? And he's like the other ones. I'm like, any of the other ones? And he's like, yeah, just not those ones. And I'm like, okay, but this thing just says wings. It doesn't specify which flavor wings. He's like, that's how it works. I'm like, oh, alrighty then. So I got the wings I wanted. I just didn't get the cheap price, which is fine. I don't really care about the price part, but I was kind of like... It's actually really poor communication. If it says wings, whatever, whatever, with no definition around that, I think the assumption is that you can have any of the flavors of wings, not just certain ones. So it wasn't just that whole experience, honestly, it was a bit like, wow, really? (laughs) So sadly, Guy Fieri, bit of a thumbs down for me on this one. I'd be willing to try again, and maybe if we sit in the main part of the restaurant, that would work better. But yeah, the bathrooms kind of put me off that whole thing. So sadly, another kind of not so positive experience we had was that my sister is a big fan of a product called Bantam Bagels. Like Bantam is in the chicken. And I was like, I'd never heard of them before two days earlier. Now, two days earlier, I was in Los Angeles, which is where I'm from. And my niece, the same one that had sent my sister and I to dough, was like, oh my God, Michelle, you have to try these things called Bantam bagels. I'm like, okay, well, what are they? And she's like, well, they're like little balls made out of bagel dough or whatever. And they're stuffed with cream cheese and they're hot. And so when you bite into them, it's like warm bagel and like melty cream cheese. And she's like, they are amazing. And I'm like, okay, well, where do you get them? She's like, you can only get them at certain Starbucks. I'm like, all right. So we actually (laughs) used the Starbucks app to find which locations had them because not every location has them apparently. And my niece popped in and she and they only come two to a two to a serving, right? Like two in a bag or whatever. And they're they're pretty, you know, small. I don't know, like I want to say like really large marble size or whatever. And you know, she was right; they were delicious. I mean, how bad can like hot bagel and melty cream cheese be, right? They were pretty delicious. So turns out, and I did not know this, that bantam bagels are in Starbucks in part because they appeared on tank and they got backed by one of the sharks whose name I can't remember. And my sister loves that shark. So my sister was like, when we go to New York City, we have to go to Bantam Bagels because I'm a huge fan of this shark, and I'm a huge fan of this product, and Emily, my niece, loves them, and we have to go. I'm like, "All right, cool. So that's actually what brought us to Greenwich Village in the first place, because we had to walk through Greenwich to get there or whatever. So we get to Bantam Bagels, my sister is like hyperventilating at the fact that in the window they have this huge photo of them with the owners with the shark lady or whatever, and we go in, and it's this tiny little shop. And this really friendly, gorgeous girl was there. She gorgeous. I mean, like personality, she was really, really sweet or whatever. And there's like a cabinet with like all the flavors. And it turns out that they have 15 flavors. So I had an experience in Bantam bagels that I've always wanted to have, which is the woman's like, hi, welcome to Bantam bagels. I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? She's like, can I help you? I'm like, yes, I'll have one of everything, please. (laughs) I don't know about you, but how awesome is it to walk into somewhere and be like, "I'll have one of everything." Literally, one of everything. Like, I hope someday I can do this in, like, I don't know, a shoe store or something. <laughs> but it was pretty exciting to do it there. And I said to her, "But you know, I want one of everything." But the display is basically empty. There was like, I don't know, four or five of them in there. And she was like, "Oh no, we have all the flavors. No problem. They're just in the back. I'll get them for you." I'm like, "Okay." So she was super nice. So she's like, "I'll just have to warm them up." I'm like, "Okay." So she gets all the all the bagel. Uh, I guess you call them bagel balls. I don't know. She gets all the all the bantams, you know, warms them up or whatever and hands us like two boxes. This already pissed me off that you couldn't fit every flavor in a single box. You had to have like one big box and one box that like three of them were rattling around in or whatever. So this already annoyed me from a packaging point of view, but possibly I'm just being like a little picky here. Anyhow, my sister and I go, you can't, there's kind of nowhere to sit in there because it's tiny, but there's a bench at the front. So we go and sit in the bench. (laughs) This is like embarrassing, but typical Michelle. I bust open this big box and I'm like, oh my God, it's like the Bantam bagels, which two days ago I'd never heard of. And now suddenly I was this great Bantam convert. I don't know. And I like pick up the first one and I take a bite and it was warm on the outside, but still pretty much cold on the inside. I mean, it was, it was not frozen, but it was cold. And I was like, hmm. Well, this one is okay, I guess. And then I hand it to my sister, right? And I proceeded to take a bite, <laughs> a single bite out of every single flavor and then hand my sister the other half or other two thirds or whatever. And to be honest, the vast majority of them were pretty miserable. There were some that were outstandingly good. Like the flavored cream cheese ones are really, really good. And the rest were honestly very, uh. some of them were quite frozen in the middle. Some of them were like piping hot. A number of them didn't look anything like the photo. So like we kept trying to compare the photo to what we had in our in our laps and they just didn't look the same. Like I think the pizza one is meant to have a slice of tomato on top and there was nothing there with a slice of tomato on top. There's like a birthday cake one, which is meant to be covered in like some sprinkles. And this one had like three sprinkles. So it was really disappointing. They were bigger than the ones in Starbucks, but worse. So that kind of got a thumbs down for me, I have to say. I was really disappointed. I mean, we took a lot of photos from my niece, but both my sister and I were like, Oh, really? By the way, by bagel number like 12, we were like, oh, we're so over this. But we felt like we had to, you know, for posterity reasons, we had to get through all 15 of them. We actually probably threw away about 50% of the products. Not not half of the bowls, but uh, well, half if you consider they all had a bite and a half taken out of them. But it got to the point where I was really over it. And I was like, these are just starting to taste the same. They don't look like the picture. It was just a massive, massive disappointment. It was more exciting navigating our way there via Google Maps <laughs> than it was actually eating these damn things. But they're service was great. The girl was really nice. She was really helpful. She was kind. You know, the service was great, but the product was a bit like, mm. A bit ho-ho. And one of the experiences I had in New York City that I, oh my goodness, was like childhood dream come true, was I wanted to go to a place called Serendipity 3 and have a frozen hot chocolate. Now, Serendipity 3 is famous for a number of things. From a food point of view, they're famous for their frozen hot chocolate. And they're also famous for their ice cream creations, I guess you would call them, their desserts or whatever. And they're famous for being their New York City landmark. Like you know, Lots of famous people have spent time there. Andy Warhol used to hang out there when he was, you know, a young artist or whatever. It's always been known as kind of hippie artist, creative people experience. And when you it's a tiny, tiny little shop. And when you walk in, it's Oh my God. It's like, it's like a psychedelic dream come true. There's crazy stuff on the walls. There's, they're famous for their Tiffany lamps. So there's Tiffany lamps everywhere. There's like disco lights and the place is insane. And the vibe is amazing. And it's wall to wall filled with people. Right. And the line goes like forever. We completely have to say we completely, we talked our way in. It was pretty hilarious. Anyway, so we got in and I was so excited. And truth be told, the service was outstanding. The guy that worked there, like, of course, I chatted him up. I chatted up everybody. Like, I need to know everybody's life story. It's hilarious. He'd worked there for, I think he said, like, 15 years or something. He was divine. The service was really good. The menu is hilarious. You know, it's got, like, drawings and stuff. And the frozen hot chocolate was great, but my sister made the mistake of ordering a grilled cheese sandwich, which was the most pathetic, awful looking grilled cheese sandwich in the entire freaking world. And the, the French fries with it also legitimately terrible. And we were looking around at the people around us and their food also terrible. But I guess the lesson here for me is that I wasn't there for the food. So, I mean, like the savory food. So there was kind of like, it's not a great surprise that I was disappointed by it because that's not what I was there for. So I was there for the ambiance, for the experience, for that incredible incredible frozen hot chocolate. Which by the way, in case you're wondering, kind of like a chocolate Slurpee. I mean, it's like the only way I know how to describe it. It's like a chocolate Slurpee with whipped cream on top and it's huge and it's delicious and you want to just like jump into it naked. It's amazing. So Serendipity 3, honestly, I wish we hadn't (laughs) ordered the, the grilled cheese because the rest of the experience was amazing. So the last two experiences I wanted to tell you about in New York could not be any more different, but maybe that's why I've saved them to last because they're so completely different. So one night my sister and I decided to walk from our hotel, which was at times square to central park and along the way i noticed in this street i think it was fifth avenue we're along along the street like every street corner literally like every five feet it felt like there was a truck selling shawarma and falafel and this kind of stuff right like like lamb and meat and rice and whatever and like they're all selling the same stuff right And almost every one of them have very similar name. They're the Halal Boys, the Halal Guys, the Halal Dudes, the Halal Brothers, the whatever. These carts all look pretty much the same. They all sell pretty much the same stuff. And that's, you know, Middle Eastern food is what I grew up with. So I really like it. So I'm like, oh, we should have that for dinner. But the thing is, these places are cooking these like giant piles of meat and nobody is buying anything. And I have to say, from a food safety point of view, this kind of freaks me out a little bit. I've had food poisoning more than once in my life. It's not an experience I wish to have again. So I was a bit like, "Eh, I don't know about this. I really want to try it, but I don't know. Anyway, as we're walking along, we get to this one specific street corner where there are two of these carts, and it was the Halal Guys, and there's the biggest line like as big as the dough guys practically this huge line of people now new yorkers love to line up for stuff huge line of people at these one stalls i'm looking at these i'm like they don't look any different from the other dudes the food looks the same the people serving look the same everything looks the same how come these two have the longest line So I say to my sister, all right, we are coming back here to have dinner, but we're only going to the ones with a big line. And she's like, why are we going to the ones with the big line when we don't have to line up? And I'm like, yeah, but if they've got a big line, that means they're turning over that meat really, really, really quickly. It's not sitting there all day just being rewarmed over and over. I'm a little bit happier from the food safety POV. And she's like, all right, whatever. So we walk back from Central Park. We had this lovely ride around, Walk back from Central Park. and. Sideline, by the way, we went on a uh, carriage ride through Central Park. It was way cheaper than I thought. It was like, I don't know, $57 or something, which to me was practically free. And the dude who rode us around the park was this Polish guy who was like a political asylum prisoner or something or whatever. He got to America on political asylum reasons and he recreated his whole life there. And I was really very amazed. He was a lovely like, the chap. I, you know, I kind of felt like he was the embodiment of the, you know, the old American dream kind of stuff and that he'd come to escape a horrible situation. And then he created this incredible life for himself. And I, it wasn't his only job. I think he actually had a second job, but imagine that he gets to spend all day talking to interesting people and being in one of the most dynamic, beautiful cities in the world, you know? Anyway, it was exciting. All right, on the way back, we decided to get in the line. We get in the line of the halal guys. And you know, what did I tell you? I chat to everybody. So I turn to the guy behind me and I'm like, hi, I'm a bit of a tourist here. I'm just wondering, like, why are we all waiting in this line when we could be down there at those other guys? And he's like, oh no, these guys are the best in New York City. He said, I used to go to college in NYU and I used to live off these. Like almost every weekend I'd be down here them. And now I live in California. So when I come back for business meetings or whatever, I only, ever, <laughs> I only ever have dinner here because like it's the best ever and it reminds me of my, my NYU days or whatever. And I said, well, what's so good about it? And he's like, you know, I can't explain it. It's just delicious and you're going to love it. I'm like, all right. And then I talked to the person in front of me in the line. I'm like, hey, I'm new here. I'm <laughs> just wondering why you're waiting here. And he said the same thing. He's like, if you're a real New Yorker, you only eat at this one. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's like that's pretty good. I feel like if the locals are enjoying it, then you know that must be pretty good. So, so anyway, we wait in line and I noticed that all the guys wearing these, are wearing these halal, halal Guys t-shirts and it says, we're different to the other, like on the back, the tagline is like, we're, it says something like, we're different to the others. And I asked the guy in the line wearing the Halal Brothers t-shirt, what makes you different? Like, what's different about you? And he goes, he kind of shrugs and he's like, we just are. And I'm like, no, seriously, dude, what makes you different? He's like, he literally is like, he's like, we just are. His I you, His confidence was hilarious. I'm like, all right. So what I found fascinating is that the Halal guys had four locations. Those four locations are on the four corners of that one block. So I don't know if they have other locations, but they basically have all four corners, like all ti- all, all tied up there. And I'm telling you, the lines went forever quick, but forever. And really interesting to me was it's this tiny little cart. I think there was like three or four guys working the cart and like every guy had a job, right? So one guy takes your order and your money. The next guy is like the one who opens the box and puts the rice in. The next guy puts the meat in. The third guy puts the lettuce in or whatever, and then the fourth guy takes the box and hands it to you. It worked like clockwork. It was amazing. Like watching them was like watching a factory. It was the most unbelievable thing. But every one of them was smiling, joking, laughing. The people in the line were happy. It was truly a beautiful experience. In case you're wondering, the food was outstanding and cheap as. But it was just such a good example to me of, there you go. You can have 20 people with the same product out there, but somebody just has maybe literally (laughs) the special sauce, which makes them the one that people go to. And you know what? Nobody could really articulate for me because I ended up asking quite a few people. Nobody could articulate for me what was so great about them above the others. Truly. I don't know. Maybe they've just been there the longest, you know, maybe they started it and all the halal brothers and the halal dudes and the halal whatever's came after the halal guys. I don't really know, but it was, it was really fascinating to me. You know, we, Are in an extremely crowded industry, and for every one of us, there's probably another dozen, you know, down the block or whatever, whether registered or unregistered. And sometimes, you know, you just have that X factor which makes yours better or more popular than anybody else's. It was it was truly a very humbling experience, actually, and delicious. I will say one of the other places my sister and I went to, and we actually went there twice because it was so good, was Dominique Ansel's Patisserie. Now, if you've never heard of Dominique Ansel well, your life needs to be improved by hearing about him. But also he's known, he's the guy who invented the cronuts, okay? And so that's why people know about Dominic Insel, because he created the cronuts. And we went there twice. We went there twice. I'll explain why in a second. But neither time did we eat a cronut. Although they were available, we didn't eat a cronut either time because I don't like cronuts. I find them really kind of disappointing. But we went there the first time because I was telling my sister about it because my friend Sharon had taken me there two years previous. And I was like, all right. Orly, we got to check this place out. So we went and we had a, like an amazing, uh, we had the DKA pastry, which is my personal favorite. It's kind of like a cross between a brioche and a croissant and a, oh, kind of like a Yorkshire pud and it's sugary on the outside and kind of gooey in the uh, I can't even explain it. You need to go eat one really. And we had a beautiful experience. The customer service was amazing. The place is so busy. They have like a bouncer and you have to like line up and it's all a bit mad, but it's completely delicious food. The people are divine. The kitchen is open so you can watch them making stuff. It's a very, as much as it's crowded and crazy, it's still a luxurious, beautiful experience. But I was telling my sister about how they have these things called a cookie shot, which is literally like a cookie baked in the shape of a... A shot glass and they line the inside with chocolate and they fill it with milk and i was telling her that they're only available every day at three o'clock and so that's why we ended up going there twice because my sister was like we need to go and get that cookie shot and i'm like oh really you want to drag all the way back to dominique and zelda have a cookie shot she's like yes we have to go back i'm like all right so we went back and we stood in line like everybody else and, you know, had those cookie shots. But again, the service was outstanding. They're very aware that that location is way too small for the volume of people they go in, that they have going in there every day. But they handle it beautifully. The guy at the door calls people in, takes people out, greets you when you come in, greets you when you go out. It was truly a beautiful experience, both in food and in service, even though, quite honestly, there was a lot of like shoving and pushing and squishing and whatever to get around. It was an experience I would happily go back again. I know he actually has places in Asia now, so I might have to go check those ones out. So my sister and I had lots of foodie experiences in New York. I would highly recommend doing it. Oh, you know the one I didn't mention, actually? I can't believe I didn't mention this. My sister and I also went and ate rainbow bagels at the bagel store. I can't believe I didn't mention that one. Oh my God, that was like like one of the main things we went there to go do is we had rainbow bagels at the bagel store, To be honest, the bagels themselves, I didn't like them very much. Bizarrely, they flavor them like they're rainbow colored. And bizarrely, they flavor them with vanilla, which I was a bit like, what's with this vanilla situation? So I didn't like the flavor. But the concept was really cool. Mine was filled with Funfetti cream cheese. I think my sister just had normal cream cheese in hers. Look, they're very Instagrammable. They look amazing. The place is selling out every day pretty much. And it was a, it, And by the way, those bagels are like four bucks a pop, which is insane when you consider that bagels are normally like, what, 50 cents or a dollar or something? insane but we dragged all the way to Brooklyn to have them and it was an experience and really that's what life is about right having experiences so my sister and I although we sought out some of these spaces places deliberately some of them we just kind of happened upon or asked friends for recommendations and we had lots of other foodie experiences right we did the circle line ferry ride which was amazing and you know we had quintessential New York pretzels in there we stopped at a truck and had ice cream one afternoon not that we needed any more crap in our lives but mind you we seemed to enjoy it we just had such incredible experiences. And what I learned doing this this kind of unofficial foodie tour in New York is that all of these places have something that's remarkable about them. And they were different in each place, right? So, you know, Bantam Bagel's point of remarkability is that the product is not found anywhere else, right? It's a completely unique product, right? You know, Doe's point of unique ability is that they serve an old product in, a, in an old way, but together that makes it a new way, you know? Dominic Ansel, the experience is that it's this incredible patisserie and he has a bunch of innovative products. The Cronut, the Cookie Shot, the DKA, all innovative products, right? Everybody had something which kind of made you want to go there or made you want to experience it, right? The frozen hot chocolate, all this kind of stuff. And honestly, interestingly to me, a lot of these places were hit or miss on customer service. Some had incredible customer service. Some had terrible customer service. Some it was kind of just like normal, you know? And I think for me, when I think about the places we went and the places we really enjoyed and the places I want to share with other people, those are the places that actually had both, that had incredible product or interesting product or something unique about their product and also had that incredible customer service experience. Molly's Cupcake, of the best example of that you know they make cupcakes, lots of people make cupcakes, but the product was like I said, filled, themed, tasted absolutely outstanding hands down, best cupcakes I've ever had, and they matched that with unbelievably personal service right so for me, if we're talking about long term viability of a business, particularly a food business, I think you have to do both look something like You know, uh, you know, a trendy whatever will only keep you going so far. Maybe that's the thing that kicks you off. I guess a bit like Magnolia, you know, the cupcakes is what really brought them to the fore, but now they've moved on to this banana pudding thing or whatever. They still sell their cupcakes, right? But they've had to kind of pivot. So for me, if you're looking to make your business, your food business, whatever kind of business, a success, you have to have both. You've got to have that something special about your product, and you've also got to have that incredible customer service experience. And we have got so much to learn just by getting out in the world, by eating. Drinking, licking, sipping, trying, talking, asking, and experiencing what the world has to offer—not just New York City. I'm especially excited because in a couple of months, uh, at the end of August, I'll be heading back to the United States, and I won't be going to New York this time. But I will be teaching in five different cities in the U.S. and one in Canada. I'll be in Montreal, and in every place I go, I intend to try something new, ask the locals what's good, find out what is worth trying, and probably come back to you guys and let you know about my foodie tour of America during my teaching tour of America. If you'd like to suggest somewhere that you think I should go in one of those cities, and I'll actually tell you I'm going to be in Ventura, California. I'm going to be in Denver, Colorado. I'll be in Dallas, Texas. I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina. I'll be at the Jersey Shore in New Jersey, and I'll be in Montreal, Canada. Later in the year, I'll actually be in Birmingham, uh, England, and I'll also be in Glasgow. So if you have somewhere that you think I should try, please get in touch with me and let me know and say, hey, Michelle, have you tried this place? You should give it a go because I'm always up for new foodie experiences. And of Course, if you'd like to come to one of my classes, I'd love to have you there. And maybe you can share your treats with me. And I'd love to, I'd love to try them, because you know, nothing beats local, right? If you want more information on my live classes anywhere in the world, you can reach those at bizbakeontour.com. But in the meantime, go out there, try something new, and tell the world about it. Hopefully tell them about it because it's a good thing.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.